It's that time, the Betting Predators podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. No, I am not Sleepy J. I am not at Sleepy J underscore pregame. This is Chris Dell, your host for this special Sunday night NFL Week 3 recap episode. Join here with Dan Rivera. You can find him at Dan Rivera 228 on Twitter. You can find me at Mad Journalist. That's M-A-D-D Journalist with two Ds. We are filling in for your regular host, Sleepy J, tonight because Sleepy is uh, hunkered down getting some much-needed sleep after his daughter's birthday. So uh, Dan and I are going to fill in. We're going to give you the news and notes you need to know. Dan's going to go through a lot of injury news as well as closing line value notes, et cetera, et cetera. I'm going to give you the fantasy recap from a stats perspective, and we're going to put it all together and give you some value here. So, Dan, let's jump into the first game of the week here. Uh, I'm just going to go down the list is Chicago at Atlanta. Chicago, another comeback victory in this game, 30-26 to 26 over Atlanta. Dan Quinn on the hot seat, on the hot seat right now, the hot seat probably hotter than ever for him. Uh, in a game that Trubisky was benched, it wasn't Trubisky that led the comeback like he did in week one. It was Nick Foles who stepped in and led the comeback against Atlanta. Uh, Dan, why don't you touch on anything in terms of uh, closing line value, injury news and notes? What do you got? Yeah, in terms of the closing line, this line was about three, three and a half for much of the week. It dropped down to two and a half in favor of the Falcons with the Julio Jones being sat out, but it didn't matter. That performance from the Falcons in the end of the game was a joke. I saw a stat today, and I don't remember who posted it, but between the Cowboys' loss and the loss today to the Bears, the Falcons had a .0007% chance of that happening both weeks in a row. So that, that hurt because I had a bet on the Falcons. There was a bunch of us on the Falcons this week. I'm going to be honest with you, Chris. I was so upset when they lost that game. So that's the only way to sum up this game is just to wow Falcons. Yeah, wow Falcons is right, man. I mean, uh, and we're going to go through and recap our, our best bets from the previous week's podcast. We're going to go through, I'll go through personally through each game as I touched on, as I touch on some important statistics on, on my player prop bets. And just to plug in here at the beginning of the podcast, if you go to bettingpredators.com, we've got a weekly content schedule coming out each week with NFL specific content. If you follow us on Twitter, you probably already know we're putting out our weekly fantasy rankings. We're putting out our weekly player props article. Dan has his weekly look ahead lines piece. We also got Jay Smoove. He's got his matchups of the week column. Sleepy Jay has got his frauds and gods column. So we're putting out content here from the team each and every week for you to give you some value, to help you make the best fantasy decisions, to help you make the best bets, to take advantage of the best lines. And just overall for this week, when I'm looking at this box score here and what happened in this game, I mean, Nick Foles obviously stepped in three touchdowns, one interception. I, I think that we, we're kind of all in agreement that Nick Foles is going to be the starter, uh, I guess, for at least at least next week. I was going to say the rest of the way, but for all we know, Nick Foles could get benched halftime in next game and Trubisky could be back in. That could be a back and forth type of situation. So if you're in a deep league, I, I would suggest definitely picking up Foles if you need a streamer, if you need a quarterback. Um, but other than that, I don't think he provides much upside and long-term value there. Uh, this is one of the props that I got wrong, which was David Montgomery over 53 and a half rushing yards. And he had been in a really good spot the first two weeks of easily clear, uh, easily clearing that total in this game, because Trubisky was so bad, they just could not get, uh, they just could not get the running game going. And he wound up actually picking it up late with Foles under center. Uh, Montgomery, I believe, had less than 10 yards at halftime rushing. Winds up finishing with 45 rushing yards in the game. Pretty much all his production 
in the second half. Uh, the, the big one here is obviously Allen Robinson, you know, 10 catches, 123 yards on 13 targets. I mean, even, even Jimmy Graham got 10 targets. So this is what you got to look at for usage wise is who does Nick Foles look to because he's the new starting cornerback, at least uh, for, you know, the near future. So we're looking at Jimmy Graham. We're looking at Allen Robinson. So he's looking to his number one tight end and his number one wide receiver. And, you know, that's pretty much it. I don't think anyone else had over five targets. Darnell Mooney, five targets. Anthony Miller, five targets. Uh, Anthony Miller got back on the board after a goose egg last week. So, uh, Dan, I don't know if you have any uh, specific other follow-up notes on this game or if you got anything based off uh, what we're talking about just now. If you guys have the chance, the Falcons go to Packers next week. The Sunday night game just ended. The Packers won. And we know a big Sunday night, Monday night, or a Thursday night game can really swing some of these numbers. The current line is Packers minus six. You have Dan Quinn on the hot seat. I hope he does not get fired because I would love to see him out there. So if you guys can, go ahead and grab the Packers minus six because my gut feeling is this is not minus six come kickoff. It's probably closer to eight, nine, long shot, ten. Yeah, that's a great point you bring up, Dan. And I mentioned your look ahead lines piece, and you're putting that out basically late on Saturday night every week and looking at the, the best lines that are available for the week ahead. So obviously, you know, that that piece went out uh, last night about 24 hours ago. Why don't you talk about some of the games you gave out this past week and some of the success you have and just kind of the importance of that article and what, what you're trying to give in terms of providing value to the readers of our website and the listeners of this podcast. The whole purpose of that article for you guys is, Chris, you touched on it, closing line value. These lines, as we record right now, are going to be moved. And come end of next week, these lines are kind of difficult to come by in terms of closing line value. And that's why I put the article together. I find about three, sometimes four games a week that I could see line moving one more or the other. And my goal for you guys is get a better line a week ahead. And that's why I put the article together. In terms of the wins and losses, the way I measure for those articles is, did you get a better number I gave out versus a closing number? So the first week, week two, I went 3-0. Nice little win for you guys. You could have had the Colts minus 6.5 and and Seattle minus 3 before those votes went up. This week, I gave out the Colts minus 2. It's up to 2.5. My guess is it probably keeps going up to 3. I was stunned to go to 3.5 before the week started. The Eagles game I gave out, I said, you want to hit the Eagles now, plus three and a half over the Niners. Well, after today, I was completely wrong on that. The Eagles are just bad, and the Giants lost to a JV San Francisco team. So overall, guys, you should always be looking at these weekly look-ahead lines despite having imperfect information because you can get some fantastic closing line value come kickoff the following week. Yeah, 100%, man. And just to re- recap your look-ahead lines for week four, because these these lines are going to be moving so fast now. That the Sunday night, We're recording right after the Sunday night football game ended, and we still have Monday night football to play. So even now, you're talking about the Colts opened up as minus one on pregame.com over the Bears. Now the, the line has moved to minus two and a half, so it's still underneath that key number. So obviously you're touching on that game in your article Everything, guys, short, sweet, and concise here. One or two paragraphs on each game, which lines to jump on early before they move past those key numbers throughout the week for the next week of football. So you've got the Colts minus two over the Bears. You mentioned the Packers minus six over the Falcons. And then your other game there was, uh, I believe, the 49ers minus three and a half over the Eagles. Is that right? 
Correct, correct game, wrong side. I'd say I'd take the Eagles plus three and a half, but after today's debacle with the Eagles, I was completely wrong on that one. So that's my first real loss. Eagles are just bad. Overall, I think that you know, you're seeing right now the 49ers have moved to minus five and a half. So you see the value if you are subscribed to the website and you can subscribe by just going to any article on the website, going to, going to the bottom of that article and just entering your email address and hitting subscribe. So anytime Dan's piece comes out, anytime our weekly rankings or player props article comes out, you'll get an email alert to get that content easy, quick, and free, of course. So right now the 49ers are already minus five and a half, and, and that's with Nick Mullins starting at quarterback. I don't know. We haven't been confirmed if Jimmy G is going to be back for that game. But anyways, I digress. We're going to get back into the game-by-game recap. So we just wanted to give you a preview of what's been on the website and what's to come. So you know, we talked here about the Bears and the Falcons, uh, not too much uh, you know, on the Bears side. We mentioned Al Robinson. Jimmy Graham had a lot of targets as well. Calvin Ridley, obviously the top dog in that offense, even with or without Julio on the field. I mean, he had 13 targets in this game, more than double of the next guy. You're talking about Ola Matis Zacchaeus, if you've heard of him. Um, you know, He had six targets, the second leading receiver on this team. Hayden Hurst, only three targets. You know, Gurley had a decent day on the ground, 80 yards and a touchdown. You know, if you've got him, you know, maybe you're riding him out as your RB2 as your flex. But I think not really much has changed for the Falcons. They have a bad defense. The offense is going to be put in a position where they have to throw a lot this year. And, and that's pretty much what to expect uh, from here in and there with the Falcons. So, you know, both those teams are in your look-ahead lines piece, Dan. So we're going to move on to the next game here on the docket, which was the Los Angeles Rams at the Buffalo Bills. And, you know, we talked about this game of being a very high – uh, very high-paced, fast-moving type of game, and it didn't disappoint. These two teams combined for 67 points in this ball game. The Bills almost blew a gigantic lead, wind up getting the go-ahead touchdown right in the final seconds of this one. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know, Dan. You you kind of touch on what key injuries are we taking out of Rams and Bills, and I'll I'll give out some fantasy implications after that. Chris, you nailed it. The Bills blew a lead here. The whole 28-3 joke or whatever joke you want to make because the Falcons are the king of blowing it. Bills almost blew it today, but came back. But in terms of injuries, you had Mika Hyde, their star safety. He left the game with the ankle. So I don't know how he'll be next week because ankles are kind of tricky in terms of if you'll play or not. If it's a high ankle injury, he will probably out be not be there for the next two or three weeks. But ankle can be almost anything. They don't really pick the ankle area. In terms of the range for injuries, they were pretty good or good as you can be a month into the season so nothing big there for that game yeah and we talk about our player props i mentioned getting the david montgomery wrong on the last game with the bears and falcons and where you know he was even close to clearing that number but you know we'll take the l when we take the l and we'll own up to that but we'll also own up to the wins too and i gotta give a shout out to sleepy on this one is that his best bet on straight out of vegas on fox sports radio this week was devin singletary over on total rushing and receiving yards, which at the time he gave that out was 81 and a half. And I think Singletary wind up combining for about 121 total yards in this game. He had 13 carries, five targets, four catches. So very involved for Singletary, obviously. And he could have had more carries. That's another prop loss that I had. I had, And I'm opening the podcast here with back-to-back prop losses. But keep in mind that we did go 11 and four on my props for the week. If you combine sleepies, we went 12 and four overall. So we're really grinding and researching and putting effort into these uh, into this analysis week by week. So we want to give you the best prop numbers available each week on my player props article. So again, make sure to check that out on bettingpredators.com. Subscribe at the bottom of the article. You'll get an alert every single time it comes out each week. 
Uh, so uh, props to Sleepy on getting that prop right. And then overall, there's not really too much to take away from the Bill side of things. We talked about Stephon Diggs struggling getting shadow covered by Jalen Ramsey in this game. And Stephon Diggs did break free for a touchdown, but he only finished with four catches for 49 yards. So better days are ahead for Diggs. Uh, John Brown, I think, got banged up a little bit, but I, I, he might have come back in that game. He, he finished with with a with a goose egg, actually, zero catches, zero yards on just two targets. So not much from John Brown in this game. And as long as Zach Moss is out, I mean, you're th- you're you're looking at a workhorse running back in Singletary. Obviously, his upside is capped because Josh Allen is so active near the goal line for the Bills. Uh, and, and on the Rams side of thing, I mean, the, the one takeaway I had was that Cooper Cup is going to be extremely involved in this offense. And that, that was a prop. I'll finally give out a winner here. I did a double prop on Cooper Cup. I bet over four and a half receptions, over 55 and a half yards. He easily cleared that nine catches, 107 yards on 10 targets, including a touchdown. I had him ranked as a top 15 receiver this week and felt good about that. Uh, I did lose the Robert Woods prop, which was under 57 and a half. He was being shadowed by Trey White. But obviously, McVay found some creative ways to get him involved in that offense. So he did break loose for a couple long gains. So, so overall, two and one on props uh, for, for the Rams side of things in this game. And, and other than that, I mean, Higby, you know, he only saw two targets. You know, Robert Woods had six targets. So Josh Reynolds had a decent game, but I don't think you're rushing to pick him up off the waiver wire or anything like that. Uh, let's move on to the next game here on the list. We're talking about the Washington football team at the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Cleveland Browns with a 34-20 win in this game. Dan, do you have any uh, injury news and notes from this game between Washington and Cleveland? My notes are Dwayne Haskins is just bad. He's putrid. I mean, man, he looked awful toward the end of the game there. He looked lost. I don't know if he'll probably pan out. I doubt it. But in terms of a major injury, there was one by the guy named Chase Young. Reports are he had the groin injury, and it looks like he's going to avoid major major injury of the groin. But a groin is another one of those areas that could be a lingering injury. You're week to week. So if you guys happen to have access to defensive rookie of the year, I wrote in the summer, it's Chase Young's to lose. But if he's missing games, Chris, there's a guy by the name of Patrick Queen, the Baltimore Ravens linebacker. I don't know what his odds are currently because FanDuel does not have the odds out just because they don't update those odds until Monday or Tuesday and put them back out for you guys to get to. But if you can get Patrick Queen at a good, solid value and with Chase Young going to be probably missing games, I would highly encourage you guys to make a little pizza bet on Patrick Queen to win Defensive Rookie of the Year. Yeah, that's, that, that's good stuff right there, Dan. And overall, I mean, from the Washington side of things, you talk about Dwayne Haskins being bad. And the one thing that interested me was from PFF, and he, they're obviously a staple in this industry for giving out really solid analysis and statistics. And I never bought the fact that he was one of the highest rated PFF quarterbacks towards the end of last year. I think sometimes players can kind of skew those numbers by maybe limiting their turnovers, but not necessarily making the plays that are needed to win games or keep offensive momentum going in, in, in different matchups, I think. And with Washington, you're seeing Dwayne Haskins where – you know, he's not turning the ball over. And you look at the final stat line, 224 yards and two touchdowns. You think, okay, well, Haskins had a decent game, but he, he's unable to finish those drives for this Washington team. And Terry McLaurin, you know, he had four catches for 83 yards, but eight targets, that efficiency is just not going to do it. And McLaurin, I think, is going to be pretty high risk week to week just because of the inefficiency he has from his quarterback there. So, 
decent, you know, halfway decent game from Terry McLaurin in this one. If you could sell high on him and get a more reliable wide receiver too, just with a better quarterback, I would suggest that personally from a trade standpoint. Now that we're three weeks through the fantasy season, and I was a little disappointed, Dan, honestly, to see Antonio Gibson play less snaps than J.D. McKissick in this game. I mean, look, Gibson had nine carries. He, he received almost half the carries for the team. But overall, you want to see more than nine carries from Gibson. He had three catches, which was his season high. And he's obviously been an explosive pass catcher out of the back backfield dating back to his college days there. But overall, I'm looking forward to seeing more usage out of Antonio Gibson because he's a really explosive player. I still think he's a buy low candidate, obviously. So I would I would say say I would say the, the fantasy outtake on this one is kind of sell high on McLaurin if you can and buy low on Antonio Gibson because I think better days are to come for Gibson. And I think there's going to be a lot lot of kind of roller coaster ride weeks when it comes to Terry McLaurin. Really high ceiling, but also really low floor when it comes to him. And next week you're looking at a brutal matchup. Washington hosts the Ravens. So uh, good luck getting much production out of any offensive player, even Gibson, in that game. So maybe you wait. Maybe you wait a week to buy low in Antonio Gibson, waiting to see how Washington performs against Baltimore in that one. But, anyways, we'll move on to the next game here. Minnesota hosting Tennessee. Tennessee Titans, man, they 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 pulled a win out of their ass, Dan. Excuse my language here, but thirty-one to thirty, last-second field goal, and then the Vikings had a, had a shot had a shot to give a game-winning drive. I think with about a minute left in this game weren't able to capitalize there, but uh, why don't you go through, go through some of the injuries, news and notes, and then we can uh, talk a little bit about the fantasy recap on this one. Yeah, Chris, you nailed it. Tennessee pulled it out of their ass. That's a nice way to put it. Tennessee did have several turnovers in schemes that were either called back because of penalty or they just like had a dropped INT or whatsoever. There was a play where Kirk Cousins threw a pick six but Jadavion Clowney was an idiot, and I believe it was an bl- illegal blindside block that negated that touchdown. So the box score won't show those stats, but Tennessee should have beaten this team more. And unfortunately, if you took Tennessee, you did not cover. And they closed as minus two and a half favorites. They did lose Taylor Lewan to a shoulder injury. I don't know what his status is next week because, again, with a lot of these injuries, it's kind of hard to predict without having the player get major surgery to say he's going to be week-to-week. But they do play Pittsburgh next week. I was leaning toward Pittsburgh to start with as we record this podcast because Pittsburgh is one of those teams who plays up or down to their opponents. Tennessee is an up team. They're 3-0. But, Chris, did you know Tennessee's three wins have been a combined six points total? No, I did not know that. And I I wouldn't have known unless you mentioned it here. And you obviously mentioned the Steelers playing at the Titans next week. So, I mean, look, Derrick Derrick Henry, you know, he had a big game in this one. He's not getting the touchdowns that people wanted yet so far in the season here. I think Derrick Henry, he had two touchdowns in this game, but the first two first two weeks he was having a little trouble finding the end zone. So you're finally happy to see the production from Derrick Henry. It seems like the next guy to step up, so to speak, in the athletic, big body target down the field. He can play the short intermediate routes. He can also pose a deep threat as an athletic tight end. So Jonu Smith you know, five catches, 61 yards, a decent day, but he did see a team high eight targets in this game. So I don't think he's probably not on most waiver wires at this point, but I think he is a decent buy low candidate as well in fantasy. And he could be a solid producer for you week in and week out because we really haven't seen any tight ends in all of fantasy, all 32 teams really step up and be that clear cut tight end leader through three weeks. Now, obviously Kelsey and Andrews are yet to play on Monday night football for week three, but 
George Kittle's been banged up. You know, Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard, they're splitting their production down the middle there. So I do like the upside of a guy like Johnny Smith, who, who basically went undrafted in a lot of fantasy drafts or has picked up on waivers recently. I like what I'm seeing out of him and the usage in that offense. And, you know, Tannehill, I think a lot better days to come too, because you're going to see that kind of back and forth between when does Henry score, when does Tannehill score. You know the defenses are, are going to continue to stack the box and defend against Henry, and that's why Tannehill's been able to be so efficient over these over this last season and a half since he became the starter there in Tennessee. Uh, Adam Humphreys, seven targets, you know, a four for 40 line, pretty much what you expect from a guy like Humphreys. Uh, Dan, I'm going to throw it to you real quick because the one thing I wanted to touch about here, and you wrote a couple of interesting articles in the preseason on offensive rookie of the year bets, defensive rookie of the year bets, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Justin Jefferson, man, he was the star of this game. Seven catches, 175 yards, a touchdown, had a 71-yard touchdown catch in this game, saw a team high nine targets, almost doubled the amount of targets that Thielen got in this game. So I assume he's going to be getting the most expensive bids by far when it comes to any player being bidded on off waivers if you're in a fab budget type of league. So why don't you talk about your thoughts here uh, in terms of the betting market on that and just any thoughts on Jeff on Jefferson and what you're seeing from the, the Vikings offense. And obviously Dalvin Cook finally had that monster game, 181 yards on the ground on 22 carries, was also involved in the passing game. But what are your thoughts on Jefferson and just overall from what you saw from these two offenses here? First initial thought is it's about time they incorporated him to the offense. I liked him a lot coming out of LSU. I'm a massive draft nerd. I don't even try to hide it. But the first two games, they didn't seem very interested in him. My biggest issue, if you're going to bet any wide receiver to win Offensive Rookie of the Year, is who's your quarterback and do they game plan you into your offense? Justin Jefferson, to me, going forward, is still an unknown in terms of a guy who's going to be a week-in and week-out producer. Was this a blip? Was this going to be the normal? My guess is it's somewhere in between. But, again, I don't I don't want to bet wide receivers to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. Because that project I did, you mentioned, Chris, I believe only two, maybe three wide receivers in the last 25 years have won that award. So I try to avoid wide receivers overall. Yeah, for sure. And I definitely hear you on that. I think you had Clyde Edwards-Solaire even before Damian Williams opted out as the best value there. So obviously – you, know, you did your research there, and that looks like a good bet to this point in the season. We'll see how he does on Monday Night Football against the Ravens. Um, you know, Justin Jefferson, look, if he can fill the slot role, and it, it's kind of a 50-50, some in the slot, some on the outside, because you, th- you see Thielen popping in and out between the slot and the outside, and that's what Diggs did last year too. And you see the success that Diggs has had so far with Buffalo this week, uh, this year through three weeks. And even having a solid day today against one of the top cover corners in the league and Jalen Ramsey and Kirk Cousins obviously misses him. And I think he finally got that right where he's like, hey, I need an athletic target down the field to be able to stretch the field against these defenses because defenses are going to be keying in on Adam Thielen heavy because he's basically all they got. So Justin Jefferson is kind of a make or break directly tied to Kirk Cousins fantasy production for the rest of the year. In my opinion, if he can step step up and have more games like this, if he can keep defenses honest to where they can't be shadow covering, double covering Adam Thielen, then I think you're going to see more productive days out of both Thielen and with Cousins. So that's kind of my take. I definitely think he's worth the waiver wire bid. I do think he could be a viable fantasy starting receiver, maybe a wide receiver three. They have a really good matchup at the Texans in week four. One of the props we hit this week was Irv Smith Jr. under 24 and a half receiving yards, just not involved in this offense, doing more blocking than receiving 
for the Vikings. And that was just a number that didn't make any sense to me. So I wanted to jump all over that. We gave all, gave out a lot of overs on the props. That was one of the few unders we gave out and that easily cashed for us. I don't think he had a single catch on the day, but uh, yeah, let's move on to the next game here, Dan. We're going to talk about Las Vegas at New England. It seemed like very different opinions on this game or some contrarians were trying to be on Las Vegas here, but they kept it competitive early. Um, the Patriots pulled away late and they outscored the Raiders 23 to 10 in the second half here. Uh, big game from Sony Michelle, 117 yards, only nine carries. Burkhead, three touchdowns completely out of nowhere. I don't think many people started Rex Burkhead and you're, unless you're an extremely deep fantasy league, like our 20 team betting predators listener league here. Uh, kind of a quiet day from Cam Newton overall. I mean, he had 27 yards rushing, only 162 yards passing, but he didn't really need to do that much because they ran the ball well as a team. 38 carries for 250 yards for the Patriots as a team here in this ball game. And the receivers are pretty quiet. I mean, Burkhead had 10 targets. He had seven catches. He did all the work in the short area of the field that Cam Newton needed. I think what James, you don't want to go rushing to spend your fab budget on Rex Burkhead because James White's going to be back. He's been dealing with the loss, personal loss in his family. Obviously condolences to him on that. But once James White gets back in this offense, you're going to see more of a three-headed split between Sony Michelle, Burkhead, and White. So to me, I'm not trying to buy any of them. I'm not trying to pick up any of them, even though Michelle and Burkhead both had really good games. Possibly this could be a nice buy low uh, situation with Cam Newton, where maybe some maybe somebody might be a little disappointed on what he did in fantasy this week, and you can take him because I feel I still think he's a starting viable uh, quarterback one for the rest of the year. So Dan, any uh, news that you want to take away from this game here? No injuries, really. But Chris, you mentioned it. Cam had a quiet day last week in that Sunday night game. Cam was airing it out. This week, they're going to ground and pound. They do play Kansas City next week. So I'm not remotely surprised. They went kind of conservative here. You know, kind of hide their playbook from the Kansas City Chiefs. But in terms of that, Chris, just Cam was slow today. I mean, he didn't look super stellar. I was watching that game, so I was a little concerned about him. But we'll see. This is a very week-to-week team in terms of what they do on the offensive and defensive side. Yeah, uh, in week four, looking ahead, we got the Raiders at home against the Bills and obviously probably the biggest game of the 4 p.m. slate there or even the entire Sunday slate in week four is going to be the Patriots at the Chiefs. I think Chiefs are favored by about seven points right now in that game. I'm sure we're going to talk a lot about that game on the Betting Predators weekly preview pod, which will come out as always on Wednesday night. Sleepy will be back for that one with the rest of the team. We'll have picks from... Hitman, Dave Essler, Mackenzie Rivers, Smooth, myself and Dan as well. Even Bernie Fratto is going to jump in there. So a lot to come on that Patriots and Chiefs game. Uh, no, not too much else to mention there. You know, one, one quick note that I wanted to bring up, and I'm trying to improve the process for my prop plays each week, Dan. And we've had some success so far. I mean, we've been so so far through two weeks. In week two, I went nine and four on my props. This past week, I went 11 and four. And not trying to toot my own horn, but I'm more focused on the ones that I lost and the ones that I didn't bet that I was thinking about betting. And when it came to the Raiders, we talk about Bill Belichick taking out the best weapons for an opposing team. And you know he was going to try to take out Josh Jacobs. You know he was going to try to take out Darren Waller. And then you, when you look at the defensive back matchup, Stephon Gilmore is going to be on the best receiver on the field. With no rugs in this game, that best receiver or at least that most athletic explosive threat was going to be Brian Edwards. So if you're taking out Brian Edwards or Gilmore, you're taking out Darren Waller and you're taking out Jacobs, who's going to be left? Hunter freaking Renfro, man. 
six catches, 84 yards, and a touchdown. So that's the kind of process I want to be putting myself through each week, looking at what are going to be the main shadow matchups. If there's a top shadow coverage cornerback, what is the coaching staff going to look to take away on the opposing defense and what are the best matchups there? And in hindsight, that's an over uh, prop total that I didn't look at that I wish I would have was Hunter Renfro because he's seemingly the only man left there. So that's just an extra note that I made for myself and that I thought could be valuable for the listeners here and kind of how to process the strategy of making these prop plays. Cause there's so many out there each week, you know, which ones it'll take you hours on end looking at every single, every single player and every single matchup and what the prop numbers there. So just a quick note on that. Let's move on to the next game, San Francisco 49ers against the New York giants. A lot of the sharps, Dan, as you know, we're on the New York Giants here. Oh, you got a great number at plus four. Oh, you got a great number at plus three and a half, right? Is that that's what we heard all week? Uh, not so much. The 49ers wind up running roughshod over the New York Giants, 36 to nine. Now, Dan, the, the thing that stood out to me the most, and we spoke a little about a, a little bit about this before we started recording here is we thought this was going to be a really uh, good spot for the Giants offense and Daniel Jones. Even missing Barkley, even with missing Sterling Shepard on IR now, everyone was high on Evan Ingram, uh, Darius Slayton as well. I honestly feel a, bit, a little bit lucky that I hit the Darius Slayton over receiving prop in this game. It was 47 and a half. He wound up with just three catches, but 53 yards. He did have seven targets, so I do feel good about the usage there. I do feel good about that bet. It's just that Daniel Jones has been so inefficient that it's like, can you trust any player prop receiving total that's tied to Daniel Jones' arm? And that's kind of the takeaway I have personally from a prop betting side in this game. And you look at an absolute smash spot for Evan Ingram. And Evan Ingram, you know, he only had five targets, three catches for 22 yards. I'm sorry, man. That's not getting it done. And I think, Dan, you you put out the phrase that JV defense for the 49ers. I'm, I'm sure there's been other phrases used for basically the lack of starting quality talent they have on the defensive side. And why was Daniel Jones not able to take advantage? Is it Jones? Is it part on the new offensive coordinator, Jason Garrett? Is it part on head coach, Joe judge, or is it, is it just, is it just a bad situation looking at the OC head coach and the quarterback where we just want to be completely staying away from the giants? I don't know, Dan, tell me what you think about that and give me any injury news and notes you have on this one as well. Well, I might not go to the Niners injuries because there are a JV team at this point, a preseason roster-esque type talent. And what they put out today, I probably, anybody outside of San Francisco, they had no idea who they were. Not even me. I went to that roster. I was like, I don't even know who these guys are. But that was pathetic from the Giants. If they would have lost, but been competitive, that's one thing. They got blown out to the JV team. That's a joke. That's on the coach. That's on the OC. That's on the GM, who I absolutely despise and think needs to be fired. So, Giants fans, if you guys are going to suck this year, suck. Go 0-16, 1-15, get Gettleman fired. Jason Garrett is Jason Garrett. And unfortunately, Joe Josh brought him in for some odd reason. Jason Garrett's going to Jason Garrett. You saw in Dallas last year, that's why he was released. But that's from GM to coach to players. That was a joke. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can say that again, man. We talked about I, – I mentioned it last week. I was like, you don't want to bet one cent on the Jets. And Sleepy and I, we've been doing the Sunday morning live stream Q&A on Twitter. So we talk about the latest line moves, injury news. Uh, we take fantasy start sick questions from listeners. So if you're listening now and you want to get your questions in at the end of the week, right before lineups lock, 
feel free to hit us up on Twitter. We're doing the live stream every single Sunday morning from about 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. there. But the one thing that a couple of people brought up is questions about Jets pass catchers. And it's like, oh, do I want to be playing Chris Herndon in DFS? Oh, do I want to be starting uh, maybe a Chris Hogan uh, in, in a deep league? And it's like, look, at the end of the day, you know, the Giants and the Jets, you're kind of in that same situation where I don't think you want to be betting fantasy or betting real life dollars on either of these teams here. The production is just not there. And the fact that the Giants can only put up nine points against a, a defense this banged up is pretty pathetic, Dan, like you said. So I'm going to go to the 49er side of things here. And the one takeaway I had is the rookie Brandon Ayuk. And we were kind of unclear about how Nick Mullins would treat this offense, right? If they're going to put up points, you know, who is Nick Mullins going to look to? Because we don't know. There was no preseason to see, oh, Nick Mullins has really good chemistry with this player or this receiver, this tight end in the preseason. And Nick Mullins, look, we have a great sample now. It's just one game, but we have 36 pass attempts from Mullins. And how did he distribute those pass attempts? The rookie, Brandon Ayuk, finally fully healthy, back from the injury. He's been kind of kind of struggling through the first couple of weeks of the season. Brandon Ayuk with a team-high eight targets. You always want to look for the usage, the targets first, five catches, 70 yards. He also had three rushes for 31 yards, and he actually had a rushing touchdown. So they're looking to get him involved in creative ways, and I love to see that from him. So he might actually have been dropped in your league. If you're in a standard 10-team, 12-team league, I would also look to the running back situation. And we all know McKinnon at this point with uh, Raheem Mostert and Tevin Coleman out. He's the most explosive running back they have. And he, and he had 14 carries. He had a rushing touchdown as well. But he got banged up in this game as well. So McKinnon has the injury history there. And if he goes down and Coleman and uh, Mostert are not healthy, then all they have is Jeff Wilson Jr. and the undrafted rookie from Baylor, Jermichael Hasty. So if you can somehow still get – Jeff Wilson, I know he was a popular pickup off waivers last week, and he had a receiving touchdown and a rushing touchdown in this game. His efficiency was not good, 12 carries for 15 yards. But if Jermichael Hasty's out there, you, you know you're going to believe in whatever running game that Kyle Shanahan operates. And whoever are the healthy running backs in that offense, they're going to put up decent production. So you never know. Next week, it could literally just be Jeff Wilson Jr. and Jermichael Hasty in that backfield. In that case, if I have an extra roster spot, I'm going to stash Jermichael Hasty in as many places as I can. I'm obviously prioritizing Wilson a little bit more than him, but I wouldn't mind having both on, both on my bench with all these injuries going on to other players to have to be able to start in a pinch. So that's kind of my notes on the 49ers from a fantasy perspective there. Uh, Dan, let's move on to the next game here. Texans at the Steelers. Uh, Steelers, I think, came into this game, correct me if I'm wrong, as about three-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, it looked a little shaky there at the beginning. The Texans were in control uh, for a lot of this game here. I think that up until they had the lead, I think, for the entire game up until the fourth quarter where the Steelers were finally able to tie the game in the second half and then get the go-ahead touchdown uh, late in the fourth quarter there. So, uh, Dan, why don't you touch on any injury news and notes again on this game, any closing line value notes, and then I'll kind of jump in and give my fantasy kind of spin on this game as well. The only significant injury we had was Deontay Johnson. He had a concussion this game going to go in concussion protocol and more than likely not going to play next week against the Titans. Texans, they don't have any injuries, but this Texan team is just Deshaun Watson and that's about it. I bet on the Steelers this week about minus three and a half, minus four. You were correct, Chris. It was competitive. My biggest concern was the Steelers playing down to the competition. They get the job taken care of. They get it done. But 
I don't know how you can bet on the Texans when they face a competent team. The Vikings go to Houston next week, week four. I believe the Texans are about a minus four-point favorite. That's a situation where we can take it to Sean Watson prop because the Vikings don't aren't good on defense. They got some guys out. So next week, I'm probably not going to be touching the Texans. Steelers, I probably will touch, especially if they're going to be a dog of about a point and a half, too. Yeah, that's interesting you bring that up because the Texans have had an absolutely brutal schedule to open up the year. I mean, obviously getting the Chiefs in week one and then the last two weeks against the Ravens and the Steelers. I mean, talk about a get-right spot for Houston in week four at home against Minnesota. I'll definitely be – I'm not going to give out any official prop plays now. There's no numbers out. We, we've still got to do our own work, our own research. we got to grind through the numbers more. We're trying to give you some value with these quick recaps here game by game on this podcast, but – I mean, Will Fuller, it was good to see him get through the game without an injury. Dan, I'm glad you didn't bring bring up Will Fuller on your injury report here. So I'm happy to see him stay healthy, catch a touchdown. You know, decent game from him. Uh, the Texans running game just struggled immensely. Uh, as a team, they had 15 carries for 29 yards. And David Johnson, he had 13 carries for 23 yards. So essentially the running game is all David Johnson, at least as long as Duke Johnson is out. And when you look at the passing game, I don't think you can look at anybody past Will Fuller. I'm not going to trust Brandon Cooks. I'm not going to trust Randall Cobb. Even Jordan Akins, who, who's a young guy with some potential, only in the deepest of fantasy leagues. I'm talking about like 14-team-plus type of leagues with those guys uh, outside of Will Fuller, obviously. But Deshaun Watson, a buy-low candidate. And that, that's the best I can do right now is like we have three weeks under our belt now. There might be some opponents in your fantasy league that are 0-3, that are one and two that are struggling that might not be getting the production out of a Deshaun Watson that they want to get. You want to target those guys because Deshaun Watson's schedule is only going to get easier from here. Guys. I, I want to just tell you, Dan, the next four to six weeks for the Texans, Minnesota, Jacksonville, Tennessee, green Bay, Jacksonville, Cleveland. I'm just going to go that far. This is literally the next six weeks we're talking about with a buy thrown in, in between is that you want to be buying low. If you're comfortable with Will Fuller, you obviously know the injury risk is there. But with Deshaun Watson in general, I would be willing to sell high on a Josh Allen or a Kyler Murray who's been absolutely explosive and unstoppable in fantasy so far through three weeks. Be like, you know what? I'll trade you Josh Allen. You give me Deshaun Watson and give me a starting running back. Give me a starting receiver. Throw together a package type of deal to where you know Deshaun Watson's going to produce against those weak defenses there. So I'm all about buying low on Deshaun Watson right now if the opportunity presents itself with your roster and with whoever you're trying to trade with. So just a little fantasy sense there. Very disappointed to see Deontay Johnson go down, obviously. Uh, that was one of the props we hit. I added that article, uh, added the props Sunday morning to my props article was James Conner over 69 and a half yards, uh, rushing yards. He had 109 in this game. It took him a while to get there, but, but he, he really broke free in the second half. So anytime you're seeing the Steelers starting running back, they're, they're a bell cow type of offense. So whoever's the starter in that game, whether it's Benny Snell or James Conner, they're going to give them that work. And I think whoever's been starting for them through three weeks has had over 100 yards or close to 100 yards in each game on the ground. So I'm definitely liking what I see from there, uh, from the Steelers there in the ground game. And then you're talking about Deontay, depending on how long he's going to be out for, James Washington had seven targets in this game. I'm going to wait and see what Deontay's injury status is coming into next week. We all know concussions can be a little tricky with the injury reports there. Uh, Eric Ebron also saw seven targets. Juju had the touchdown, 
only five targets for Juju. Juju to me is a sell high because he had the touchdown. Touchdowns are not something you can bank on from week in to week out when it comes to fantasy production. I'm looking at targets. I'm looking at usage, snaps, routes run, et cetera. I'm going to try to sell high on Juju as fast as I can because if Deontay comes back into this offense, we all know he's the clear number one. Through the first two weeks, he had 23 targets to 14 for Juju. So I'm just going to leave that there. Let's move on to the next game, Dan, as we wrap up this podcast here. we got a couple more games left. The Jets at the Colts, not too much to say. We're not betting on Jets fantasy players. We're not betting our money on an Adam Gase coach team. The Colts 36-7 to in this game. I mean, Jonathan Taylor only had 59 yards, had a touchdown. Frankly, teams don't have to do too much to beat up on the Jets. And look, if you have a chance to pick up the Broncos defense, I know their offense looks terrible right now, but the Broncos play the Jets Thursday night. I brought it up a few times last week. If you have a chance to add the Broncos defense or even look ahead two weeks, who are the Jets playing in two weeks? They're playing Arizona. Pick up Arizona's defense, stash them on your bench. You want to be streaming your defense and fantasy against whatever defense is playing against the Jets in that given week. So that's my two cents for this pretty much game as a whole, Dan. Why don't you give me any relevant news, uh, injuries that you have, and we'll move on from there. No injuries, no notes. Well, my apologies. The only note is don't bet on the Jets. Walk away. I'm glad we agree on that one so we can kind of move on from there. Let's move on to the next game here, Panthers and the Chargers. And this was Justin Herbert's second start. Obviously, the whole situation with Tyrod Taylor, the trainer, the punctured lung. It seems like a game of clue going on with the Los Angeles Chargers. And will somebody get fined? Will somebody get sued? I have no idea what's going on there. I just feel bad for my boy Tyrod Taylor to not get that chance. But, you know, you live and you learn, you take the L and you move on. I'll take the L on Tyrod Taylor. I had him ranked pretty high moving into the season. But in terms of my notes here, I mean, Mike Davis was very involved. He had nine targets. He saw 13 carries. He had a pretty decent fantasy day, 20-plus points in PPR formats. Um, other, other than that, DJ Moore, to me, is an absolute buy-low candidate when you're talking about the Panthers. Look, DJ Moore, I'm not going to lie, I've got him in three out of seven fantasy leagues or maybe even four this year, and he disappointed me today. But you know what? Two catches, 65 yards, four targets. He had Casey Hayward shadowing him, and that was one of the props we got right as well was Robbie Anderson over 51 and a half receiving yards in this game. So the schedule is going to lighten up a little bit from the Panthers. I'm not afraid of week four and DJ Moore potentially getting shadow covered by Patrick Peterson. So I'm back in on DJ Moore in week four. And he's had some, he's had some down weeks here now through, through three weeks. He's had one good game out of three. So if you can target the owner of DJ Moore, DJ Moore, and they're struggling in your fantasy league, I would definitely recommend buying low on DJ Moore Uh, and Robbie Anderson's here to stay for this offense. He's a clear cut number two receiver in that offense right now. Um, Dan, any relevant injury news you have from the Panthers or the Chargers? I saw Justin Herbert got banged up a little bit, but he was back on the field in no time. So what do you got for that one? For injuries on the Chargers, you had Brian Balaga, Chris Harris Jr., Mike Williams all leave the game. For the Panthers, you had Dante Jackson, their cornerback. Chris, I believe the plus minus in turnovers was in favor of the Panthers. And I believe they were plus four in turnovers today. Joshua Kelly had a fumble, a pretty down game compared to what people were expecting from him there. I mean, Justin Herbert, let's, let's not get it twisted guys. He looked pretty good. He had 330 yards. He almost led them down the field for the game winning touchdown in this one, but 
you know, the, the, the turnovers are going to kill you, like Dan said. And, you know, you just, you just can't turn the ball over that much and expect to win the game. But we mentioned it last week after Herbert's first start against Kansas City. He's made this passing offense relevant again. And you saw Keenan Allen. Man, you know what, Dan? I know Keenan Allen had a huge day, but now looking at the at the numbers from this game, Keenan Allen had 19 freaking targets, man. Like, that's insane. That's DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams type level. So if Herbert's going to remain the starter, which it looks like, I would say the odds are very high from him start for him starting the rest of the year. I don't know if you still have a chance to buy Keenan Allen in fantasy. You, you might have missed that window there. But man, Keenan Allen, 13 catches, 132 yards on 19 targets. That target volume is insane. That's literally almost half of Herbert's 49 attempts. So I'm loving what I see there. Austin Eckler, 11 targets. So you're talking about uh, Eckler and Keenan Allen with 30 of 49 Justin Herbert passing attempts in this game. That's insane target concentration for the rookie quarterback. And Hunter Henry, seven targets, five catches, 50 yards. So a solid tight end performance from Hunter Henry. Didn't get the touchdown, but still had a decent day there. I don't think there's really too much else. You've seen through two games now, Herbert's throwing to three guys. It's Austin Eckler, it's Keenan Allen, it's Hunter Henry. If you have a chance to buy one of those guys, I would say go ahead and explore those opportunities. Good to see the passing game revitalized under Justin Herbert after week one. Uh, let's talk about the Buccaneers and the and uh, and the Broncos, Dan. And we saw, uh, I think Jeff Driscoll was, I don't know if he got hurt. Was he benched late in the game or did he get hurt? And they, they just took him off the field because they were getting blown out. But the Buccaneers cruised to an easy 28 to 10 victory over the host Broncos in this game. Brady by far with his best game of the season, 297 yards, three touchdowns. And I brought this up to Sleepy. He was talking about liking Leonard Fournette on the live stream Sunday morning episode. And on the fantasy episode we recorded Friday night. And I said, dude, look, Bruce Arians, this is what he does best. He likes to muddle up running backs in the backfields for the for the teams he coaches, especially in Tampa Bay. And you saw last year, Peyton Barber one week, Ronald Jones the next week. It's going to be the same all year, in my opinion, when it comes to Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette. Ronald Jones outsnapped Leonard Fournette in this game, even though Leonard Fournette had the quote-unquote breakout game in week two. So was not surprised to see that at all from the Buccaneers. Rojo with 13 carries to seven for Fournette. So we all thought Rojo was back in the doghouse. Literally almost gets double double the amount of carries as Fournette in this game. So I'm staying away from that entire backfield there. And, you know, you got to love what you see from Chris Godwin. He left the game early with an injury. Dan, you can touch on that. He saw six targets, five catches, 64 yards in this game. Had a nice 30-yard reception to boot as well with a touchdown. So why don't you talk about any injury news and notes you got from this one, Dan? Chris Godwin did lead this game with a hamstring. Again, guys, hamstring is one of those week-to-week injuries you can have, especially for a corner or a wide receiver with those quick twitch muscles or those quick turn-and-move muscles. Hamstrings are super important. He left again. I believe Chris, correct me if I'm wrong, Chris Godwin already had a hamstring and missed the game to start with this year. But in terms of other notes, Broncos stink. They got too many guys missing. I'm sorry, man. I just can't look to anybody on that offense anymore. I mean – Noah Fant could be like a mediocre starting tight end for you at this point. He has the upside out, obviously, in the talent, but the quarterback play is just atrocious. And, and does it even really improve at all when Drew Lock when Drew Lock comes back in what about a month? So I was lucky to sell high on Melvin Gordon in a fantasy league this past week. And if you could somehow sell him to get a decent RB in return this week, maybe you want to buy low on a Kenyon Drake. 
I don't know if you, you can maybe package Gordon with another player to get a guy like Kenyon Drake to maybe get an Antonio Gibson. That would be kind of the area I'm looking to go. We say, hey, look, I got a workhorse running back in Melvin Gordon. He's been decent through three weeks so far. Let me try to get somebody back. Because, listen, once Philip Lindsay comes back for Denver, he's going to force more or less maybe a 60-40, close to a 50-50 split in that backfield with Gordon. And I think Gordon's value really goes down uh, from that point on with the Broncos. And we see the offense just struggling in general there. So um, not too much else from that game. Shout-outs to Brady. Great game from him. Although I wouldn't be rushing to pick him up off the waivers if he's there because I think more often than not, the Bucks are going to be playing with their defense. They're going to be playing from ahead. They're going to lean on the run. And they're simply not going to have as many cake matchups as they had with Denver, who Denver in most cases would have a good defense, but they're missing A.J. Boye. Von Miller, they're missing a ton of guys on the defensive side. So they're looking like a good matchup. Um, the, only, the only thing I would say for next week is, like I said, try to pick up the Broncos D if you can. Stream them against the Jets because even if we're talking about a JV defense, we saw what the Niners' JV defense could do against a bad quarterback with Daniel Jones. Pretty sure the Broncos' JV defense can do something similar against Sam Darnold this Thursday night. So anyways, I digress there. Uh, let's move on to the next game here is the Lions at the Cardinals. Lions with the upset win, man, 26 to 23 over Arizona. I'm very surprised just from a standpoint where I think if if a team's going to pull off an upset, it's going to be from somewhat of a coaching edge. And I don't think any of us here are giving the coaching edge uh, from Matt Patricia over Cliff Kingsbury. So I was definitely surprised to see that happen. We didn't cover this game on the podcast on Wednesday, but my biggest issue, Chris, was I saw the card of minus five and a half. I was like, oh, Easy, minus five and a half. I didn't bet it, though, because when you find a game that is that easy to come up with a pick that quick, that means you're on the wrong side. And I knew a lot of people were picking the Cardinals today to win. I stayed away from the game just for that reason. And actually, the Lions are at a buy-low point this week because everybody's mocking them after that Packers loss. So that's my thoughts. I think the Cardinals just had a letdown game. They do go to Carolina next week. They're about a three-and-a-half-point favorite. I played it already just because it's a bounce-back game. The the Cardinals also had bad turnover luck versus the Panthers, who had good turnover luck this week. So the odds of that happening again next week is very slim to none. So I gladly laid the three and a half already against the uh, terrible Panthers defense for the Cardinals. Yeah, I like that too. And talking about the Lions, they host the Saints in week four, and right now they're about minus five and a half. So under that key number of six there, Maybe it could be a potential teaser option if you're not you know, too confident that the Saints can cover a margin there. So we're going to be talking a lot about these games, guys, on the week four preview pod. Sleepy's going to be hosting, obviously, with all our picks, best bets, player props, et cetera. So look out for that, obviously, later this week, probably out sometime late Wednesday night, early Thursday morning at the latest. So not too much else to cover on this game. I mean, Kenyon Drake's another – I'm going to talk about, again, a buy-low candidate – the guy's seeing more than 15 carries every game. He had 18 carries, 73 yards. Just hasn't had luck finding the end zone for Kenyon Drake. And look, his usage is a little bit down in the passing game. But you know, Ch- Chase Edmonds is coming in every now and again to give him a breather. But I don't think the workload is, is insecure from Drake's standpoint. I mean, look, the guy through three games, 16 carries week one, 20 carries week two, 18 carries in week three. He's only had one rushing touchdown to show for it. So I think better days are ahead for Kenyon Drake. And I don't think they want to be running the ball with Kyler Murray as much as they have been through three weeks. And as dynamic as he is in the running game, 
you want to keep your quarterback healthy. And we saw in this game, Kyler Murray, five carries for 29 yards after he had, I think, over 70 yards rushing it in each of his first two games. So they kind of, you know, you know, took the foot off the gas pedal in that area, so to speak, in this game. But not too much else to note. Andy Isabella, four targets, four catches, two touchdowns. Guy is super talented, definitely a dynasty, dynasty stash if he's available on waivers there. But in season long, I wouldn't go too crazy bidding anything for Isabella because Larry Fitzgerald will continue to be involved in the offense. And Christian Kirk will be back probably sooner rather than later from his injury. He missed, he missed week three, obviously, as well there. So anyways, that's pretty much uh, my news and notes there. For the Lions, man, I don't know. DeAndre Swift, what, what happened? <laughs> I can't trust Matt Patricia. He's like he's like second on my list outside of Adam Gates. Like you cannot trust players in a Matt Patricia offense. DeAndre Swift was looking very solid these first few weeks. And then in week three, oh no, best matchup of the year. DeAndre Swift, zero carries. DeAndre Swift, two targets, one catch. Adrian Peterson, 22 carries. You know, I, I just, I don't get it, man. I don't even think, you know, DeAndre Swift, I can't even call him a buy-low candidate at this point because I'm just not confident that Matt Patricia is going to be able to use him consistently on a week-to-week basis there. So in Dynasty, Swift obviously has the value there because of his draft capital. But outside of that, I don't know, man. Kenny Galladay had a good game. He did well against Patrick Peterson. Marvin Jones has been struggling. TJ Hawkinson, halfway decent game. Not too much else to note there. But anyways, Dan, uh, let's, uh, let's wrap this up here. Let's go into our last afternoon game for week three and let's talk about actually no we got two left and we'll go through them real quick here cowboys at the seahawks these two teams came in with the second highest total on the slate they wound up putting up 69 points uh i think that probably was the highest scoring game of week three yeah a little bit more than what the packers and saints put up on sunday night football so michael gallup finally finally Dak was able to connect down the field with michael gallup gallup finally exploded here with a huge game saw nine targets. Cooper saw 12 targets. Zeke saw 12 targets. That's a crazy amount of target volume for Zeke out of the backfield there. But you got to love what you see with the usage. Even though Zeke was inefficient, 14 carries for 34 yards, you got to love the fact that you're you're starting running back in fantasy is getting 14 carries with 12 targets. I'll take that any day of the week, no matter how low his yards per carry is going to be. CeeDee Lamb, that was one of the props we hit as well, was CeeDee Lamb over four and a half catches. He just got that right at the end. He had six targets himself. So, you know, Dallas spreads the ball around pretty well, but they're going to be a high volume passing offense each and every week this year. So, you know, you're pretty bullish on those guys. If you got Cooper in your lineup, if you got Gallup or Lamb in your lineup, even tight end Dalton Schultz, if you picked them up off waivers recently. Uh, From the Seahawks side of things, uh, Dan, I'll let you jump in with the injuries as we wrap this one up. But Chris Carson, obviously the workhorse in that offense. DJ, uh, DK Metcalf, excuse me wind up having 110 yards. We cashed that over as well. The over-under on that prop was 64 and a half. So you love to see eight targets every single week for DK. He can easily turn eight targets into 100 plus yards each and every week. Tyler Lockett with three touchdowns. I think most weeks those touchdowns are probably split between Carson, Metcalf, and Lockett. So, you know, I'm not saying uh, Lockett's a sell high by any means, but you're definitely happy if you got him as well in your fantasy lineup. So huge game from Lockett, big game from Metcalf. Uh, with the Seahawks, we know who to bet on with DFS week in and week out. You're betting on Carson, you're betting on Lockett and Metcalf, and you're betting on Wilson. Those are his guys, and he targets them with high efficiency each and every week, whereas with the Cowboys, Dak's more or less spreading it around to more guys, more mouths to feed. So I love the target, the concentrated target volume that I'm seeing with Seattle 
and how to bank on that and stack that, especially in DFS contests on FanDuel and DraftKings each week. So anyways, that's enough for my take on that one. Dan, what do you got for this game? Russell Wilson being Russell Wilson, being the man driving down the field against that terrible secondary and just bad defense for the Cowboys. Seattle did suffer a lot of injuries. Are you ready for this, Chris? Chris Carson, Lanell Hill, assuming I just butchered his name. He's a safety. Ethan Pokick, guard. Damian Luzes, guard. Jamal Adams, safety. Jordan Brooks, linebacker. Mike Upati, another guard. Seattle had a lot of guys leave this game. Meanwhile, Dallas lost Joe Looney, their center. So both teams took a lot of hits. Let's wrap this up with the afternoon games, and we'll touch on the Sunday night game for a minute. Uh, the last afternoon game here on the slate is the Philadelphia Eagles and the Bengals. I skipped over that. Tyler Boyd absolutely ripped it up. 10 catches, 125 yards on 13 targets. And T. Higgins, man, only five catches for 40 yards, but nine targets in this game. And you could see him emerge. I, I would almost be equally – uh, bullish on T Higgins compared to how I am on Justin Jefferson going into waivers this week. So if both those guys are available. I think you can kind of temper your bids on Justin, Justin Jefferson and not blow too much of your fab. Because I think T Higgins could be just as valuable as a pickup for you. And they drafted him in the mold to kind of be that next AJ Green type of receiver in that offense. And AJ Green struggled, man. He, he was shadowed by Darius Slay all game in this one. Another low efficient type of game, only five catches for 36 yards from A.J. Green. And I think as Joe Burrow gets more comfortable in this offense, he's going to be more comfortable throwing it to other receivers, which means throwing it more to Boyd, throwing it more to T. Higgins. And the one prop I got wrong in this game was Drew Sample. And, you know, the tight ends were tearing it up for Cincinnati through two weeks. Sample had seven catches in like three quarters of action last week against the Browns. But the thing is, the one thing I overlooked, and another thing I'm going to learn to improve the process when I prop that in here, is that you're talking about one of the most lopsided offensive line versus defensive line matchups coming into this game with the Philly defensive line against the Bengals O-line. And in that case, when you're talking about a young tight end who can block very well, like Drew Sample can, they had to use him as a blocker in this game. So he was only able to get one target, had one catch for one yard. Whereas in other games down the road, if the Bengals offensive line is in a better situation, you're going to look to buy him and maybe look towards the over on his receptions or receiving yards. So he's a guy who I think will be more involved going forward in this offense. But just the fact that they had to keep Joe Burrow from getting sacked so often in this game, you saw Drew Sample having to block almost every single time he was on the field in this one. Uh, not much else from the Bengals there. Uh, I'll touch on some guys for e you know for each team. We're talking about these game-by-game -game breakdowns. I'll have my hunting the waiver wire piece out Monday night or Tuesday early at the latest talking about top waiver pickups as we've been mentioning throughout this podcast but on the Eagles side of things Miles Sanders was the, was the workhorse Deshaun Jackson went down with the injury so Dan you could touch on that in the injury news here but Greg Ward stepped in in his absence had 11 targets eight catches 72 yards uh, Zach Ertz had seven catches Dallas Goddard he he also went down with an injury so you're obviously looking at an extremely concentrated passing attack if Deshaun and Dallas have to miss more time because who is, who else is Wentz going to throw to besides Miles Sanders, Zach Ertz, and maybe Greg Ward. There's not much else he has left in that offense and, and an offense offensive line that's really struggling right now. So Dan, why don't you touch on the injuries right here for Philly and then we'll wrap it up with the Sunday night game. Dallas Goddard is expected to miss some time. He has an ankle injury according to Ian Rappaport of NFL Network. So Goddard gone for the next few weeks. Deshaun Jackson, hamstring issue. So I don't know what he's going to be like next week. One of those tricky injuries. 
But I'm going to be honest with you, Chris. I don't know who Carson Wentz is going to throw to anymore outside of Zach Ertz. So if you're looking for a fantasy play next week, a prop play, it has to be Zach Ertz. You know, we mentioned the Eagles here for week four playing at the 49ers, which on paper, based off last season, would seem like a pretty tough matchup. But we know the 49ers are banged up. My question is, will the offensive line for the Eagles be able to hold up and give Carson Wentz enough time? Because he even struggled this week against the Bengals. And we all know the Bengals have one of the worst defenses in the league there. So anyways, Dan, let's wrap it up here. Sunday night football, Packers at the Saints. Uh, second highest scoring game of the week. Packers come out with a 37 to 30 victory in this one. I mean, Aaron Jones, obviously he was coming off the huge 200 plus yard performance in week two. Uh, and he had a decent game in this one, but Aaron Rodgers was super efficient. Three touchdowns, 21 of 32 for 283 yards. Alan Lazard came up huge in this game. Team high, eight targets, six catches, 146 yards. It was Marquez Valdez-Scantling that saw the shadow coverage from Marshawn Lattimore. So, you know, you know going you know going forward, anyone you know who Marshawn Lattimore is going to be shadowing in that matchup is going to get pretty much reduced to nothing when it comes to fantasy. You want to look to fade, uh, you know, their their player prop totals or buy the unders in that case. So, I was looking towards that under. I just wasn't sure in this game who Lattimore was going to shadow. I thought it could have been Lazard as opposed to Valdez Scantling, but he seemed to be on MVS throughout the game. And because of that, Lazard was the open target down the field for Rodgers. So Lazard with a big game there. Uh, On the Saints side of things, pretty much spread the ball around outside of Alvin Kamara. Kamara with 13 catches, 14 targets, 139 yards. He's just been ridiculous through three weeks this year. I wish I had more, more shares of Alvin Kamara on my fantasy team. Dan, I saw that Jared Cook got banged up in this game. Do we have anything else on him or any other players for this game? Jared Cook is not popping up on this ESPN.com injuries list, so he probably is fine. Injuries Pete did go out for the Saints. But in terms of the game notes and look at headlines, Packers minus six over the Falcons. Said it before. I'm going to say it again on the pod, guys. Grab that Packers minus six. I don't know what it's going to close at, but I do feel extremely confident, Chris, saying, that minus six is not going to last until kickoff next Monday, Monday night. I think it's Monday night. You know, even with the Packers missing Devontae Adams, I think that the Packers you saw last year were able to have success without Devontae. He missed more than half, maybe not more than half. I think I think if you look look back at the game logs last year, Devontae missed roughly half of the 2019 season with the with the turf toe injury. They found ways to be successful on the ground using Aaron Jones as a receiver, whereas on the Saints side of things, they haven't really shown a way to be that productive and successful without Michael Thomas in the lineup. And obviously Kamara with a huge receiving line, but who else are they going to? And you saw on the Saints side of things, we thought Traquan Smith might be a factor in this game. He had four catches for 42 yards. Sanders, four catches for 56 yards. So I'm not getting too crazy about anybody on the Saints side of things here. And with the Packers, I mean, you got to look to them in terms of in terms of the matchup next week. They got an absolute great spot on Monday Night Football against a very bad Falcons defense. So, I would be looking towards derivatives with Aaron Jones once the player prop numbers come out, and really keep an eye on Devontae Adams' injury status throughout the week there as well. Well, that's going to wrap it up here for our Week Three NFL Sunday Recap Podcast. Again, thanks to Dan Rivera for jumping on with me. And again, on bettingpredators.com, you can find our weekly content. I'm putting out my weekly fantasy rankings. 
every Wednesday. I'm putting out my hunting the waiver wire piece every Tuesday. And then my player props article will come out mostly, most likely sometime Friday or Saturday. Dan Rivera has his look, look ahead lines piece every single week. We talked about that earlier. Sleepy Jay has his frauds and gods column talking about players to buy and fade based off the previous week's performance. We've got Jay Smooth's matchups of the week column, some great information in there as well. And we also have a staff report with our top DFS plays of the week. So a lot of new content on the podcast to come each week throughout the NFL season, a lot of new content on the website to come, bettingpredators.com. Again, you can go to the bottom of any individual article on the site, enter your email and subscribe, and you'll get an email alert each time we drop a new piece of content on the website. So with that, we want to thank you for tuning in to this podcast episode here. Feel free to hit us up on Twitter at BetPredators. You can find me on Twitter at MadJournalist. That's M-A-D-D Journalist with two Ds. You can find Dan at Dan Rivera. 228. That's going to do it for us here tonight. We'll see you Wednesday with our weekly preview podcast. Until then, best of luck and enjoy the games.